Hello. Why do you do this every time? And welcome to Thingamajigs, the exciting history of mundane things. As always, I am Ben. And I am Danielle. We're back. Yes, for those of you who baby are back, on the back, baby back, baby. edge of your seat, <laughs> wondering if we made it back home to the north. Yes, we made it. The great north tundra. We thought there would be snow. There is none. 27 hours. And we drove it straight, nonstop. No. Sleep. Till Utah. It was wild. I'm glad that we did it. It was a experience. I don't know if we will do it again. I might. That was all right. You thought it was all right? I, yeah. Dude, that 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. stretch was... We watched movies I don't remember. <laughs> Public service announcement for this episode, don't sleep and drive. 100% more lethal than drinking and driving. <laughs> Needless to say, after such a long and fortunately not treacherous journey, we needed a shower. Specifically, a shower that included soap. Um, actually... Oh, Lord, here we go. Science shows that you don't need soap to shower as long as you rub yourself with some warm water. It'll wipe all the grease and unhealthy oils and dirt and bacteria right off of you. And you won't stink. You won't be nasty. You've got dead skin cells, my guy, and those need to be exfoliated. Okay, the word exfoliate was invented <laughs> by companies to convince you that you're gross and you need to buy their special loofah. That is not necessarily true. Cleopatra used sand as an exfoliant, and she would bathe with sand in oil. Gross. Yep. <laughs> so that was another uh, negative point for you. <laughs> My point is, people have been exfoliating for a very long time, whether warm, they had that word or not. Warm water takes everything that you need off of you off of you. Nah, man, I like to do a mass genocide on all of the little microbes that are living on my skin. And that is unhealthy. Every once in a while, you gotta get rid of all of them and let them start fresh. Your body is like a planet, and it needs its occupants. Extermination. Either way, it's clear we need to have a discussion about soap, so let's get into it. Soap is thousands of years old. Because its ingredients being so ubiquitous, soap could pretty much be made any place that humans inhabited. I mean, all you needed was wood ash oil of some kind, whether it be animal or plant-based, and water. All of those things generally we need to survive. You know, you have to have a fire to stay warm, so there's your ashes. You have to eat, whether it's plants or animals. Got it. And water. Obvious. Obviously, we need water. To water down the vodka. I don't know if they had vodka. <laughs> if you have potatoes, you have vodka. It's human nature. The Babylonians were making soap around 2800 BC. Archaeologists found a soap-like substance in clay cylinders. And if that wasn't evidence enough, the jars had, quote, Fats boiled with ashes written on the containers. And we all know how I feel about things that say what they are. I love it. Which is a method of making soap. Boiling fats and ashes and water and all of that together. You got soap. They also had recipes written on clay tablets. That was definitely one you wanted to write down. 
Didn't want to forget that one. But let's get into some fiction before we go any further. I would like for you to ask me why it's called soap. Really natural, like I didn't just ask you to ask me so I could answer. Uh, but but where uh, why what why is it that it is called soap? Oh my gosh, what an interesting question. I can answer that and not because I've spent the last week researching because I didn't. I just happen to know a lot about soap because I have a certificate that states very clearly that I am soap's biggest fan. So again, this story is a legend, but it's a well-known legend, so it would be poor taste to leave it out. Soap was named after Mount Sapo. It's funny because soap is spelled S-O-A-P and Sapo is spelled S-A-P-O. People would gather at the top of this mountain and have sacrificial parties. Some lucky cow, sheep, or goat would be burned as a sacrifice to their god. It's unclear who the god was that they were involved with, but it was some celestial deity. What's a good non-gendered name? Jamie. So they burned Jordan. The f- I like Jordan. You like Jordan? Yeah. Okay. So they burned the flesh of the sacrificed animal and the smoke rose up to the heavens where Jordan could taste it and probably give suggestions like salt or dill. And after the party was over, a big rain came and washed the ashes and fatty oils from the animal sacrifice down to a river at the bottom of the mountain. Boom. Water, oil, ash, you got soap. This was the river that the people washed their clothes in, and they realized that when they washed them in the weird sudsy parts of the river, the clothes got cleaner. Now, there's a lot of issues with this story, but the main one is that there is no evidence of there ever having been a Mount Sapo. That, that's a pretty big hole in the story. Pretty big plot hole. Maybe if you're going to make up a story, use a real mountain. The Ebers Papyrus, a pretty famous Egyptian scroll from 1550 BC, indicates that they bathed in a mixture of ash and oil, which could have created a soap-like gel. It was used for washing, but it was also suggested for treating skin diseases, which I find interesting. I wish I knew if they just slathered it on and, like, wrapped it, or if they used it to wash wounds, because that would be very advanced for the time. But the Egyptians did bathe. Most of the ancient people bathed very regularly. Which, of course, brings us to the Greeks and Romans, both very well known for their elaborate baths, especially the Romans. But they didn't use soap. They instead rubbed clay or pumice over their bodies and then added a good layer of olive oil and then scraped that sludge off with a sturgeon. Imagine like a sweat scraper, but that's what it was. That sounds gross. The only appealing part of this routine, at least the olive oil was scented. I don't know what it was scented with, but hopefully it was like lavender plant therapy or one of those other expensive essential oil companies. I don't enjoy imagining doing this. But soap was used more often for cleaning household items or clothing than for cleaning your body. It was heavily used in textiles because they used soap to clean the cotton or wool of the oils before it got spun to make cloth. Soap is mentioned in the Bible. Moses gave the Israelites detailed instructions on personal hygiene, and it suggested that they knew that mixing ashes and oil made a soapy substance, leading to the Christians adopting the phrase, cleanliness is next to godliness. I'm not sure how long it actually took the phrase to make it into Christian homes. With as much as my grandmother said it, I'm sure she got it straight from Jesus. For all I know, she was there when he said it. So Pliny the Elder mentions soap in his Naturalist Historia, which is his book. 
For as often as he comes up in so many different topics that almost have nothing to do with each other, I I wonder if he was very famous in his day. Did they wait in agony over his next Remedy release? Like, yo, Pliny just dropped a new idea about turtle shells. You've got to get into the shell business. It's about to explode. With like a list of 10 things your doctors don't want you to know. Number one, urine is gold. Pliny was like the buzzfeed of their time. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm getting way off topic. So he talked about soap. Really, he just mentions soap's existence. He credits the gulls. Apparently, they had lovely hair. He says, and this is a quote, There is also soap. Which I like the way he says that. Like, he's, he's talked about all these other things that are way better. And then there's soap. You can clean yourself with pee. Clean yourself with mud. And there's also soap. And the quote goes on, An invention of the gulls. Which, I don't think that's true. But for making their hair shiny. It was described as like a pomade of of the gulls for their hair. <laughs> it is made from tallow and ashes, the best from beechwood ash and goat fat, and exists in two forms, solid and liquid. Among the Germans, both are used more by men than women. Why does he know that? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a pretty personal question? I mean, I guess he is from a time of group bathing, so maybe not. But he specifically says Germans, and the Deutsch do not seem like social bathers to me. It could have been popular back then. Maybe he was just going to all the bathhouses and writing down who was there. <laughs> he had a list of all of the people. And this one used soap. And this one used soap. And that she did not use soap. <laughs> and then Rome fell. And with the fall of Rome also comes the fall of bathing. Things are going to get a little rank. But not right away. It actually takes some time and some cultural shifts before it gets too rank. People think of the Middle Ages as a time where no one bathed ever. But that is not true. Some people like to say they indeed bathed on a fairly regular basis. But then they proceed to teach you about all of the famous royalty who rarely bathed. Queen Elizabeth was considered a regular bather, and she only bathed once every four weeks, with a quote from her saying, whether it was necessary or not. I assure you, my good lady, it was necessary. She was so hygienic. So I think there is a disconnect between me and the historians on what is considered regular basis. But at least this is a time where soap is well circulated, everyone knows about it, everyone has it. Was it soft? Yes. Was it dark in color? Yes. Did it have an off-putting smell? Also, yes. Remember when we talked about the animal fat candles having a bad smell? Same thing. But it is something that even peasants can easily make at home, much like their candles. I mean, if you're already working on making your cow candles, you might as well make your cow soap while you're at it. I actually read one article that was talking about how using animal fat in manufacturing soap was banned for a while because it would deplete the tallow supplies, making candles unaffordable for the poor. I couldn't confirm that, but I find it hard to believe they would put the best interest of the poor above soap profits, but I hope I'm wrong and that's just my 2023 dystopian capitalism brain talking. Remember how if hard times hit, they would eat their candles? I do. I wonder if they tried that with the soap, too. Probably. Towards the beginning of the Middle Ages, things were going all right for soap. People at the time largely followed the trends of whatever the royals were doing and whatever the church told them was good. Like I said, Queen Elizabeth got a lot of people bathing on a regular basis because she was obviously very popular and people wanted to emulate that. 
The Catholic Church obviously supported bathing because they actually built public bathhouses for people to use. This was tricky because bathhouses sometimes doubled as places of prostitution. So the church said something like, Hey, I'm glad you're enjoying these baths we made for you. Hashtag cleanliness is next to godliness. But there are some feminine amenities that we want to be clear that we're not providing. Those are not holy harlots. Maybe don't bathe too often. We need more holy harlots. You know, if you're driving around the streets looking for somebody to hop in your car and show you a good time, you never know what you're going to get. But if they're endorsed by the church, you know, that's a good seal of approval. I don't have any syphilis. I'm endorsed by the church. So bathing slowly started to be seen as an indulgence, and the church started preaching about excessive bathing. The seasons also dealt a significant hand in how often people were bathing. Bathing was one of those things that waxed and waned over time. It became less popular during the late Middle Ages, somewhat due to the attitudes towards public bathing and the Reformation. Many religious groups were breaking away from the Catholic Church, and thus Protestantism was newly created due to the differences in doctrine. Bathing, and especially public bathhouses, could have been a hot topic for discussion, and it seems that it landed on the bad list, probably due to the nudity in the prostitution. But, at the same time, in the Middle East, during the time called the Islamic Golden Era, exciting things were happening. They were making their soap with not only vegetable fat, which meant it wasn't as smelly as the European soap, because mainly they used animal, but also they were adding laurel oil, which had a pleasant smell. On top of all of those improvements, they added salt to their recipe, and that separated the glycerin and caused the soap to harden, giving it a nice shape. Was it just a goo before? It was more like a paste. Gross. It made me like a a wetter paste. It was like a bowl of oatmeal. (laughs) Probably. This did not go unnoticed by the Europeans because crusaders brought it back with them and soon France, Italy, Spain, and eventually England started making versions like it of their own. Castile soap, named after the region of central Spain that it was produced, was the best known, so much so that Castile soap became a generic term for any hard soap. So there were a lot of plagues, and medical thinking at the time was that bathing may allow illness or miasma to pass in through the body, through the pores. From what I can understand, miasma was like a catch-all term for bad. They knew that something bad was either in water or the air around you. You couldn't see it. I don't know if they thought that it was spiritual, like spiritual bad things were coming to make you ill, or if they had like some really rudimentary idea of germs, but it's a fun word to say. Have you, you should say it. Miasma? Miasma. Miasma. <laughs> oh, miasma's acting up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we went back to the soap only being used for cleaning and washing clothes. Etiquette at the time said to only wash the parts of the body that could be seen in public. And there were not many parts of the body that could be seen in public. You had to cover those sexy elbows and ankles. My wrists are all clean. So yeah, it was basically your hands and your face. <laughs> maybe your maybe your neck if it, if you didn't have one of those like lace turtleneck things. King Louis the Fourteenth. This is the extreme example of royalty not bathing that I mentioned earlier. He was said to have only taken three baths in his life. It's good. It's a lucky number. 
Mm, now, it, granted, this was probably an exaggeration, but he reportedly was terrified of baths and only took them when his doctor prescribed. And obviously, they didn't prescribe it, it very often. If things are bad enough that your doctor has to prescribe a bath, I don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> I get it, though. Whenever I'm not feeling well in my brain, if I go take a shower, I will be magically better after I get out of the shower. And I'm disappointed every time, but I keep doing it. <laughs> Showers make me tired. It's a lot of standing. Needless to say, this man was malodorous. A Russian ambassador once said that the Sun King stunk like a wild animal. He obviously knew this about himself because he doused himself in strong perfumes to cover it up. I can't imagine this was effective. It's like spraying air freshener in a bathroom you just had massive diarrhea in. Now he just smells like flowers covered in poo. It was a common practice back then to just bury all of your smells in perfumes. Mm-hmm. You'd walk down the street and you'd have your little handkerchief with your perfume on it and you'd, you'd wave it whenever someone walked by. For a man that was so stinky, he was very careful about keeping his clothes clean. He supposedly changed his underwear up to three times a day. Those poor washmaids who had to touch those ripe undies. And you know they didn't have latex gloves back then? They had to bare hand that. If you change it three times a day, it probably just smells like somebody really stanky wore it for a whole day. Not like somebody who's super mega stanky wore it, you know? Also, the Americans are a thing now, but the colonists were also of the opinion that water, and in this case specifically bathing, actually caused the spread of disease. They still had soap, but it was primarily used for domestic cleaning. It was usually women's work, and they would store the fat from butchering and the grease from cooking along with all of the wood ash that they collected from fires over the winter, and they would get together and make soap with all of that when spring came. Popish soap was a huge buzzword in the mid-1600s. So the first thing you need to know is that King Charles I married a Roman Catholic. And if you remember, the Protestants broke away from the Catholic Church, which meant you had citizens who were very anti-Catholic. And his new bride was seen as just way too Catholic. But good old King Charles was in need of money. So during the period of so-called personal rule, he sold a patent for soap. This was a popular thing that he was doing. He was selling patents for things to try and make money. On top of his entirely too Catholic wife, the patent for soap went to a company overseen by Richard Weston, and he, can you guess, had a bunch of Catholics on his governing board. This angered the English Protestant groups being very anti-Catholic, as they were, and they labeled it Popish Soap, after the Pope. They claimed that it not only damaged linens in the hands that used it, but also scarred the soul. Now, obviously, this one thing was not the reason for the English Civil War. Parliamentarians wanted Parliament, hence the name, to have supreme control over the executive decisions of the kingdom. They were fighting against the Cavaliers, who wanted absolute monarchy and believed that the king had a divine right of kings or something that my American brain thinks is absolutely ridiculous. Basically, royalists didn't want to give up their cushy lives that the king provided, and literally everyone else just wanted wealth to be spread around. That's what I understood anyway. If I'm getting any of that horribly wrong, then use this as an opportunity to reach out and educate me. But Popish soap did represent the unfairness the people felt and the King Charles I was executed. So take note, America. Eat the rich and make soap out of them. Mm. 
How about some good news? It is now 18th century and bathing is in vogue. Medical opinion about bathing has changed and people are taking their clothes off and slipping that soap betwixt their cheeks. Oh, but what is this? It's becoming subject to a series of restrictions and crippling taxation? Did you need help paying for a war or something? Oh, England. Now, this was partly us, the American colonists' fault. We were the wars that they were trying to pay for, and they didn't know it yet, but they were about to pay for a lot more war. It is 1712, and they did make a lot of money, but the price for soap tripled, making it a luxury item. This was only one of many, many, many taxes England was putting into place. There was a clock tax, a candle tax, a hat tax, a brick tax, and these taxes were also being applied to the Americans because we were still a part of England. But not for long, because we were stinking tired of it and we wanted a divorce. The soap tax did lead to the demise of many soap manufacturers and the creation of black market soap, which somehow makes bathing and soap both very sexy. So scandalous. But the tax was repealed in 1853. I don't know how they got away with it for so long. Soap is easy to make. People just got back to making it the way they did for thousands of years. Homemade. Homemade probably wasn't as nice, but the extra money in your pocket felt better than your fancy soap. Probably not. Lye soap is very harsh on your skin. But hey, when times are tough, sacrifices are made. Large-scale soap manufacturing was coming, though, and in 1791, French chemist Nicolas Leblanc patented a process for making soda ash from salt. This discovery became one of the most important chemical processes in the 19th century because in 1811, Chevreul discovered the relationship between glycerin and fatty acids. Mass production caused soap to become even more affordable, and you know we like that. We can't talk about soap and not give Florence Nightingale an honorable mention. She pioneered the practice of hand washing with soap in 1850 to prevent the spread of cholera. Cholera is uh, one of those diseases that is spread fecal oral. Gross. Yeah. I know this doesn't sound like a big deal, but this was before germ theory became widely accepted. Hand washing took a while to get off the ground in the medical community. It was seen as a waste of time for the most part, for a while. Agreed. I don't wash my hands. I've never got no cholera. The Civil War also helped spread the practice of hand washing. It's funny how the military keeps edging us forward in hygiene. Remember when the soldiers brought back good teeth brushing habits? I do. Yeah, they keep, they keep adding things to us civilians' lives that are trying to keep us healthy. Procter & Gamble built their soap fortune on the back of the Civil War with their soap products. They had a contract to provide soap needs to the soldiers, and when everyone went home, they brought back Procter & Gamble products, catapulting them to a household name. A little fun fact for you. During the World Wars, there was a shortage of animal and vegetable fats, which led to chemists using other raw materials instead, which were synthesized into chemicals with similar properties. These are what are known as detergents. They are more water-soluble. Most commercial soaps available today are actually detergents, but the FDA won't let them market it as soap, so if you find yourself using a body bar, that is not soap. That's a detergent. Which leads us into my fun game, where I tell you brands of soap, and you guess whether they're soap or detergent. Are you ready to play? Who wants to be a soap? Soap or no soap? Let's make a detergent. <laughs> 
All right. Irish Springs. Detergent. Soap. Oh. Dove. Specifically like dove bars. Soap. Beauty bar. Beauty bar. <laughs> yeah, so they can't call it soap, and so they come up with their own fun ways of saying it's not quite soap, but it looks like it. CeraVe. Detergent. Yes, correct. Thought I wasn't going to get any of these right. <laughs> uh, I, I believe it's a moisturizing bar or a cleansing bar. Better than beauty bar. Dial. Soap. Correct. Zest. I've never heard of this one. You've never heard of zest? No. I'm going to go with soap. Correct. I'm really good at this. Suave. Detergent. Wrong. Surprisingly, it is soap. I also thought it was going to be a detergent. Olay. Detergent. Correct. Specifically, another beauty bar. Olay's one of those companies. Well, detergent isn't bad. It's just not soap. Soap is actually a bit better for the skin than detergent because of its natural ingredients, like the oils and fat and such. It'll actually leave the skin somewhat moisturized, but detergents strip all that away from the skin, which is not as good. I have Dove Beauty Bars, and they claim on the box that it's one quarter moisturizer. Here's a PSA. I want to give <laughs> this PSA is is one that I feel very passionately about, and I feel it's important information for everyone. Every single time you are told anything by a brand that either sells cleaning products or any kind of personal care products or makeup or anything cosmetic. Every word they say is totally made up and a lie. I don't know how they get away with it, but like everything in their commercials, completely fictitious. Everything on their boxes, also completely fictitious. So don't believe anything any of them say. Some of those mascara commercials are, are pretty funny. They are funny, but they also make me what sad they, because... What did they say on one of them? Oh, plump your lashes. <laughs> right, that's what it was. It was a plumpener. A lash plumpener. <laughs> <laughs> they make me very sad because I know there's people who don't take advertisements with as many grains of salt as they need to and they're like oh wow they said that that one does really good stuff so i'm gonna buy that one because it's the best and it's gonna do good stuff yeah never believe the people that you're giving the money to this is why reviews are so important and why we have to fight against paid reviews yeah i might reconsider my soap choices i am a bar soap kind of kind of gal i don't like shower gels so i might have to consider a Irish Springs or Dial or Zest or Swall, one of the soap ones. I'm a fan of Irish Springs. It smells nice. You know who else is a fan of Irish Springs? Whom? Jenna Marbles, Garbage Dogs. She... Did you didn't they, see that episode? Did they eat it? No, they rubbed their faces on it. She set out a bunch of different... This was, this was a YouTube video, and she set out a bunch of different soaps, and they only rubbed their faces on some of them. I would be interested to know... If they rub their faces on the ones that are soaps and not the ones that are detergents, now that I know this. It's very weird. <laughs> oh, Jenna Marbles and her garbage dogs. They're so cute, though. They're little tink-tink dogs and their little feet go tink-tink-tink-tink-tink-tink. 
I do love them. We have one more one more um, product for you to guess. Okay. It's called Soft Service. Soft Service? That's the main reason why I want because the, word, the words in this is great. <laughs> Detergent. Correct. Specifically, Buffing Bar Micro Crystal Exfoliant. Even I know that that one is ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm someone who supports bathing in soap and exfoliation. <laughs> Buffing Bar Micro Crystal Exfoliant. Ugh. One of my favorite things to do at like farmers markets is go and find the soap booths. It, if the more bits of like cinnamon and oatmeal and maybe even carrot that are in this the these bars of soap, the, the more I I like them. Yeah, I want there to be like a full Thanksgiving dinner in my bar of soap. <laughs> Why don't you just stick a bunch of food in a blender and rub it on yourself <laughs> in the shower? Uh, that was mostly for the for the goof, but I I do really like um farmers market specialty bar soaps that have especially oatmeal. I do really like the oatmeal ones because they have little bits, and then you get little bits of oatmeal on you, and then somehow you I'm making this worse for myself, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> I like also, some of them have bits of food on my body. Also, some of them have biodegrad biodegradable glitter. I also really enjoy that. And they always come in fun colors. Oh my gosh! Like whenever you get your washcloth and you get one of those like really bright bars of homemade bars of soap, and it's got all kinds of like a rainbow on your washcloth, and it's it's quite lovely. I'm always worried those are gonna dye my skin. <laughs> That has never been a problem. And now we are at the end of our soap journey. I hope that you have learned something, and I hope that you will listen to me and use soap. Wash your belly buttons. That is not something, you know, people are always talking about how you got to wash behind your ears. Yes, we've got that. We've got that down. You know what we don't have down? Belly buttons. Also, maybe spend a little extra time and attention on your junk. Because there's a lot of crevices down there. There's a lot of smells that emit from down there. If if you don't clean your back junk enough, then everybody around you is going to smell it. If you don't clean your front junk enough... What is back junk? Your, is that your, is your... You just say butt. Yeah. Your bum. Your booty. If you don't clean your front junk enough... Any lovers you might encounter, they will know. I do have a fun story to throw in here. I found a story in the newspaper from 1979 where a Thomas South was outside the tavern. He probably had a little too much to drink, and he was causing a ruckus. And the police came to confront him, and uh, as a rational person does after they've had a couple of drinks, he started shouting obscenities at them. And so, eventually, they they arrested him for disorderly conduct, and he went to court and pleaded guilty, and the judge said, you have a choice for your sentence. You can spend 10 days in jail, pay a $50 fine, or have your mouth washed out with soap. And he chose the soap. This is a grown man. Oh, my gosh. The judge said... My mom washed my mouth out with soap once, and I never said anything bad again. So, I don't want this guy showing up in my court again, causing more problems. Wash his mouth out with soap. 
The police officers were not a fan of this sentence. <laughs> they were like, wow, I really don't want to go wash this guy's mouth out with soap. What if he sues us because we make him sick or something? But uh, reluctantly, they took him down to the police station and washed his mouth out with soap in the, in the sink. And uh, the guy said that it wasn't so bad. The soap was nice tasted pretty good he said i don't know if that was true or if he was just trying yeah to... that's so something that someone would say that oh it didn't hurt that bad uh, yeah I, I don't know if he uh, ever did it again there were no further news stories so maybe it worked i want to know whether they used a soap or detergent <laughs> sounds like it was a detergent so maybe detergents taste better than soap or maybe he was lying. <laughs> That's the soap story. Let us know what you think of the episode, either on the Spotify Q&A page or send us an email, contact at uselist.us. Don't forget to grab a goose and wash it with some soap when you're done. Oh no, because you used it as a booty wipe. Thanks for listening. Nah, go! Oh, give me Bye.